This is How We See It, a look at issues that impact our faith and community. For the next few minutes, we'll explore topics with people who are making a difference in our world. This is How We See It. Our guest is Father Chuck Dornquist from the Diocese of St. Petersburg Vocations Office, but that is not why you're here today. No? No, you are here to talk about the Bucks. Oh. It's football season. I love the Bucks. You better. Yeah. <laughs> Father Chuck is the chaplain for the Bucks. How did that all happen? Did you just go to a game one day and somehow <laughs> s- sneak down on the field? They said, wait, he's he's a size. No, uh, so I was ordained in 2015, assigned to St. Lawrence, which is just north of what used to be One Buck Place, now the Advent Health Training Facility off of MLK. The director of player personnel or player engagement, his name is Tim Jiraki. He works for the team. His job is to coordinate the hotels, the planes, to move all the equipment from the stadium into the bus to the plane and then back to the facility. And so he's an amazing man who does an amazing amount of work. He also happens to be a parishioner of St. Lawrence. And so when I was ordained and assigned to St. Lawrence with Father Mike Moore, they were in need of a new priest's chaplain. And he approached Father Mike and asked if him or I would be willing to do it. Father Mike was such a good pastor to a newly ordained priest and asked if I had any interest in being the chaplain for the Buccaneers. Did you say, well, (laughs) duh. (laughs) And I said, is the Pope Catholic? Uh, And so from that point on, I've been chaplain for the team since being a priest. So it was really interesting. I mean, my first season, first masses, I had been a priest for two months. And so I'm learning how to be a priest. All of this is new and included. I'm learning how to be a priest for a professional football team. There's an organization called the Catholic Athletes for Christ, guy named Ray McKenna, who works to coordinate us chaplains. Every team, for the most part, has a Catholic priest who serves the team. And so he tries to get us together annually. My first NFL combine is when we got together that first season. And so I walk into the room, and you've got guys who are like old monsignors. They've been priests in their diocese for a long time. The bishop gives them their role with the team as a thank you. Most guys who are NFL chaplains are 20, 30 years ordained. So they're a good like 50, 60 years old. And so I come walking into this room, 26 years old, new priest. Like, hey guys, how's it going? It's great to see you. Isn't this exciting? We get to be chaplains. They had no idea what to do with me. And Um, you're a big dude too. And I'm a big dude. So I'm excited. I'm large. So that's been the last, this is my ninth season now with the team as priest chaplain. How does that work? You're a Catholic priest assigned to a parish where you have Sunday morning masses. Yes. And then I would assume you celebrate a mass with the team at some point? So the way the Tampa Bay does it is the night before home games, ranged from 6 o'clock to 7.30. I go to the Buccaneers facility or the hotel, depending on what the team decides, and celebrate a 20 to 25-minute Sunday mass. There's no music, but we cover everything else that's essential for a Sunday mass, And then I'll spend the evening with the team. So I'll be there in their mess hall, their cafeteria, their dining room. I'll have food there, engage with conversations, be available to the team. Then for the game day itself, if I'm able to be at the game, I'm on the field pregame. And then I'll bounce around the stadium during the game, go to different places. I've got a pass that gets me anywhere I want in that stadium. And then I'll bounce up to the press box because there's good food up there and the chef likes me a lot and then just bounce to different areas of the stadium where I might know where there are parishioners or people I know who have seats or a box and spend time there. 
Are you technically the chaplain for the entire organization? No. So I'm the team priest, so I don't necessarily work for the Buccaneers. I'm not a paid staff member. I have a card that gets me into the building and such, but I'm not necessarily a staff member of the team, but I do serve the team. How many players are actually on a team? It's a 53-man roster, and then you've got the practice squads and such, which allow, I think, another 25 to 30. Several dozen yeah. that will approach you for confessions. Did you ever marry them? Anything like that? Yeah. So, and it's between the coaches' staff, the training staff, the scouting team, the media team, and then the actual players themselves. So, my job is to be available to all of them. The NFL schedule is monstrous. Like, I was shocked when I began to learn how much these men actually spend based on football, how much time. So they're rarely home during the season. Most of our coaches are in that building by 5 a.m. They're not leaving till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Their lives are consumed by football. They maybe get a day off. Probably our head coach, Todd Bowles, he's an extraordinary man. He's in that building by 3.30 in the morning, I think. What does he do in all that time? It's his own like personal routine, but then it's planning, reading, studying tape. It's thinking of what the process needs to be for the team. I don't want to begin to posit what he does, but I guarantee it's working in order for the team to be the best that it could possibly be. And so because of their lives, because of that intensity of their life for the game of football, it means that they're not able to attend mass with their families as frequently to connect to their local parishes in the same way that they would if they lived a normal nine to five job. So that's my job is to be available to them. If something tragic happens, and while I've been with the team, there have been a few tragedies. Some I've been involved with because it interacted with players who wanted the presence of a Catholic priest, and others my job was to pray from a distance and to lend my support where I could and to let them know that I was praying and offering masses for the sake of whatever that situation might have been. I've been blessed to do some marriage prep. So sometimes we have players who are getting married or staff members who are getting married that need preparation for marriage. Marriage prep should be a very significant process for a couple to go through. And so when you're trying to juggle a football schedule with the parish schedule of this is when our meetings are, and it's very difficult. And so gratefully, I've been able to do that several times for players and members of the organization. Have you been able to bilocate? Have you tried? I've not bilocated yet. That'd be a skill. I think it would require a lot of energy. I'd be a lot of man to try and bilocate. <laughs> like a smaller person might be able to do it more easily. It's very possible that only half of you would. <laughs> yes. How tall are you? 6'3". Six, 6'3". Three. Six, three. Okay. I won't ask your weight because that's just rude and I don't want you to stomp me. <laughs> <laughs> do you ever go to away games? When I'm able to. So typically I'm working on Sundays in our diocese. So I'll I'll cover masses in the morning somewhere and then go to the afternoon or evening game here. I do like to get to an away game once a season. It's a neat thing. When I go to a game, I get a visiting pass. So I don't get seats. Like I get field access and then I go and sit in the press box for the remainder of the game. So it's a really neat way. It's a privileged way to experience football. And so I, I do try to take advantage of that. Several years ago, I was able to visit the Dallas Cowboys, and that was a powerful experience. I was raised a Cowboys fan. My dad, who unfortunately died several years ago due to his addiction to opioids, he wanted me to be a Cowboys player, like wanted me to be a football player. And so here I was as a priest at Cowboy Stadium. It was shortly after his death. 
And it was a really profound experience of this is where the Lord brought me because I was faithful to the Lord's calling to my life. He gave me more than I could have ever fathomed by being a priest. I'm a priest on Cowboys Field, like watching this game, singing the national anthem, absolutely extraordinary. And so mm. that was a great experience and one of those times that I got to go. I've been to Indianapolis this year. I want to go to, to Lambeau. Uh, we play Green Bay in December. I think that would be excellent. Back that up for a second because you are a Florida, I'm a Florida native. Boy, but I like the cold. And like to be at a game in Lambeau when there's snow, it's iconic yeah. football. It'd be similar with Buffalo. To go to a Buffalo game when it's a blizzard, it's iconic. Yeah, that's kind of cool. We have too many Super Bowls, by the way, <laughs> in the hot sun. Yeah, you know, it's true. Do you ever get into one-on-one counseling with players, or is it, for the most part, group settings? When it's a pastoral need of someone, like I'm available to them for counseling. So again, it's not just players, it's also the staff and the remaining other people around the organization that I'm available to in my service to the team. And so if there is a need or desire for any of the sacraments, the sacrament of anointing or reconciliation or counsel, then I'm available to them for that. Again, they don't have the benefit of like testing different parishes and seeing if there's a priest that they connect with. So hopefully they connect well with me and then I'm available to them in those situations. Denar Hamlin last year, collapsing on the field. Yeah. Did you see any effect on the Bucks? I mean, they had to oh, just it shook scare that. It shook the league. Yeah. It shook the league. And so definitely, um, thankfully, like, there's a man who works for our team. His name is Duke, who's also a very deeply spiritual man. And his job is, he's not chaplain, but he is basically like a mentor life coach for the players. He played in the league himself. He's a very good, holy man. And so he was able to spend a lot of time with the players post that experience at our Hamlin and just the fear it raised for every NFL player and their families, a mindfulness and awareness of the sport they play is violent and whatever the cause of that situation with Hamlin and what brought about it taking place, it was a reminder of we are fragile beings and what they are doing is extraordinary. But it's the same for any injury. When Jensen and his knee went, when Tristan broke his ankle, like those are moments where they are very much a cohesive unit. And when someone has a significant injury, it does impact the remaining of the team. What is something that the average person doesn't know about the locker room? I was shocked about, and I don't spend much time in the locker room, so we need to qualify that. But I was shocked how deeply prayerful and spiritual this team is. And I don't think that's just Tampa Bay. I think NFL players in general, to endure the pressure that those men live with and have lived with for a long time. So you've got 24-year-olds, 23-year-olds out of college. They've never made a buck. Like Prior to what's happened recently with the NCAA, these guys didn't make money. Many of them come from not great families or home lives or situations. Suddenly, they're 22, 23 years old. They're making more money than they could have ever fathomed. And then they're finding themselves on a field where if they make a mistake, they are ridiculed, booed. They are mistreated. They're talking poorly about in culture society, the amount of pressure put on a 23 year old Mm. is astronomical. And some, I can't say there are some talents in the NFL that these are individuals who simply have enough talent to be able to deal. 
and they can lean. But I think those are far rarer than we give credit for. I've been amazed in recognizing that the way in which 95, 98% of these professional athletes deal with that much pressure is by faith, by strong faith and strong family values. That these are individuals, these players, coaches who lead Bible studies on their own, whose family have Bible studies, that they get together with strong morals and values, that these are things which they prioritize and celebrate. So I have a Catholic service. We do the Catholic Mass, and then there's the non-denominational service at the same time. The NFL players and coaches are a deeply faith-filled, not necessarily Catholic, but deeply faith-filled individuals. And they have to be (laughs) to deal with the pressure that they find themselves experiencing. Again, there are some who are not, and I'm not saying that everyone is this. There are definitely some who are not. But I've been amazed to find that the majority of individuals in the NFL are deeply faithful. I think the DeMar Hanlon instance illustrated something very significant, that there's a distinction between the individuals, the players, the coaches of the NFL, and the NFL as a corporation. I think it was fascinating how quickly individuals in the NFL turned to prayer in response to that moment. The players, the coaches, the broadcasters who began praying immediately after that, that's not what you would see as the response of the NFL and the agenda sometimes of the NFL as itself, but the coaching, the players, very deeply spiritual, faith-filled, religious men and women. I wonder how many players across the NFL are now spiritual people because of that I don't know if any of them would have been newly. It might have been like a re-motivating factor, but I think it's just amazing how many people frequently turn to prayer in the league after that. And I have to say, so often you'll see on TV or at the game the national anthem happening, and then immediately following the national anthem, something that's not put on screens is the members of the team going and praying at the benches or joining together in prayer in an end zone how frequently that happens within the league and around the league. At the end of games, when everything's done, both teams, members of the teams gathering together to pray in the middle. These things are regular occurrences within the team, within the NFL, just not highlighted as much. We're talking with Father Chuck Dornquist. He's the vocations director, which, by the way, if you are a young male considering the priesthood. Yeah, or young woman discerning religious life. There you go. Available to you also. Yeah. Do you have a lot of young women? We do, thankfully. Good. Good. My job is mainly to connect them to vocations directors for religious orders. But yeah, we definitely do have women who are discerning religious life. Good. So reach out to Father Chuck. He's here mainly, though, to talk about being a chaplain (laughs) for the Bucks. It's the start of the football season. What's a perk? You have mentioned you can kind of wander through the locker room at some point. You can go to the press box. I mean, you could probably eat 4,000 calories. Yeah. Anything else? I mean, it's a tremendous perk of having access to a building, a place, to people that everyone else or so many other people would really want to have access to. So on occasion, I'm able to bring one of my seminarians with me when we go to celebrate Mass. It's great to witness them for the first time, seeing the players, the athletes, seeing Mike Evans or Chris Godwin last year when we had Tom Brady and 
Like you just see someone for the first time being in the same room with Tom, like in lunch line or whatever. And I get to be around people in a place and interacting with them where many people would want to. And the beauty of it, and something that I remind the seminarians or anyone who comes with me, or when people ask me for things, it's amazing how frequently, and I understand that I'm asked to get an autograph or asked to help with a really beautiful gala or charity drive. And can you get an autograph? Can you get something? And I have to say no. And I, mm. I tell no all the time because my job is to not be a fan. I'm one of the very few people in their lives who is not someone who asks for things from them. I'm called to be their father and to be available to them. And 90% of the time, I don't do anything with them. But I don't want to ever ruin the 10% of the time that something does happen that they do need because they see me as someone who's trying to get something from them. Yeah, there's little chance that they will open up to you if they If view... I go, hey, would, would you mind? This is, yeah. be, it's a really good cause. And so it's a perk of simply being around these really good men to see them just as normal human beings who are exceptionally talented at one particular thing. Do you ever toss the pigskin with them? <laughs> I've had a few moments where I've played catch with them. Yeah. Um, it's slightly terrifying. When you see how quick a quarterback can throw that ball and how hard it comes in. Oh, yeah. No. Um, there's there's not much interest in me trying to catch passes from them. Are you padded? <laughs> Helmet? Anything? No. Oh, no. no. Nope. Nope. So it might be on the sideline that I'll play catch. Now, here's a serious question for you. Who do you think could run a 50 faster, you or me? Uh, for a big guy... I can move. Hmm. 50 yard dash, yeah. you're going to win. 20 yard dash, I could probably take you. You think? Yeah. Short distance, burst speed, I can move. Okay. I'm older than you, so I probably would <laughs> not make it to like 10 yards before I'm gasping. So, what's your prediction for the Bucks season this year? I see us winning uh, between nine or 10 games. I think we have a team that's going to prove itself versatile and adaptable. It's a different model than what we've had the last couple seasons, which was do as much to keep Tom happy and play within Tom's strengths. We're going to be much more of a team approach to football this season. I really like Coach Canales. I like Todd Bowles, Coach Bowles a lot. I'm excited to see what we're able to pull together. Do you ever cross paths with the coaches? I do, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Nice. <laughs> I was hoping you go a little deeper than that, but all right. Like, yeah, like I, yeah, so uh, I've had a, several conversations with both. Both are good men, good fathers who really want to care for their family, prioritize that amidst having careers in the NFL that require a lot from them. Can I have Tom Brady's cell phone number? I don't have Tom Brady's cell phone number. I have several guys' phone numbers, but not Tom's. Okay. It's worth a shot. I told myself I was not going to ask you for, you know, <laughs> tickets or anything like that, but I just asked you for Tom Brady's phone number, so I guess I failed at that. Since you see these players through practices and it's preseason and everything else, I mean, they are beat up. Yeah. I mean, just a few games into the season. So yeah. tell us how hard it is to be a football player. It's extraordinary. So they are elite of the elite in physical ability. Even the big guys, like our linemen, they're just monsters of human beings. They are elite. On top of that, just being set apart in that regard, they are highly intelligent. 
these guys memorize the playbook. And when they're preparing to play against another team, they're memorizing theirs. They put so much time and study into this thing. So they're not just highly athletic. They're also highly intelligent. They deal with incredible amount of pressure in the world around them. So they have good stress and coping mechanisms that they've learned to establish. And they are gassing themselves every day in the gym, on the field, training, playing the games. I'm amazed our linemen, that linemen in general, don't get injured more often because it's play after play after play of crashing into another massive human being and trying to figure out who's stronger. And so the amount of time that they spend recovering with our training staff, who's extraordinary with the Bucks, seeking to get better, to improve, it's phenomenal. And a lot of the guys that leads them to faith as well, that they're able to do this and to not have as many injuries or to not be as injured as they could possibly be in this sport that's all about physical contact is an extraordinary thing. How many of them, though, really are injured, but they're playing through it? I think it's safe to consider that everyone is at least injured in some way. From preseason on? I remember my first season, so he's no longer with the team. He's retired from football. I remember like at the beginning of the season, we would shake hands. And then by game two or three, I went to shake his hand. And he said, no. And I said, oh, I, I apologize. He says, no, my, my finger's already broken. <laughs> like, So at that point, it's fist bumps. And then even as you go further along down the season, like, it's a very light fist bump. And so he was an offensive lineman. Like Their fingers are getting sprained at the very least. So these guys are dealing with injuries Yeah, from the beginning. It's just a matter of the severity, the gravity, I would say, of the injury. Can you tell us one story about a player where you really had to get involved and help the player maybe through a crisis, anything like that? I think the one that I can share, and I can only share about it because it was put on national television, we played a Thursday night game several years ago against the New England Patriots and played decently, but it was during the midst of our significant kicker woes that Nick Folk, who I got to know a bit, really good guy, good daddy, practices his faith. Nick missed like three or four field goals in that game. And by that point, he was being booed by the fans, being yelled at. And so he's just being ridiculed by everyone around him. The father in me came out. like I wanted to defend him. At that point, I was on the sidelines for the games. And so I went over to Nick and asked if I could pray over him. And he said, please, Father. And so I put my hand on his helmet, prayed into his ear, reminding him of his identity, of his identity as a beloved son, which does not change based off of a kicked field goal gave him a blessing, a pat on the helmet, turned to walk away and realized that the National Football League's television, the Thursday night football crew camera was directly on me in that moment. My phone started blowing up. I was being broadcast across the country praying over Nick Falk, who made his next two field goals in that game. We didn't win, but he got his field goal nice. situation fixed. Were you wearing your collar? I was, but my beard was a bit long <laughs> at that point. And so people couldn't tell that I was a priest. Tony Romo, who was the commentator in that game, actually, I think he knew I was a priest. He commentated, that's like going to your priest for confession. So I've had Tony Romo commentating my life, which is a neat thing. 
but many people thought I was a coach or just a part of the team staff saying like time to pack your bags, whatever. Oh, man. But that was definitely a dramatic moment, a fun moment. I trended on Twitter for a little bit. My face did. People didn't know who the heck I was. Tampa Bay, the high schools and such, our schools knew who I was. But that was a moment where my ministry for the team became very public, very fast. If anyone's interested in more, the Knights of Columbus actually did a video on my role with the team last year, made through Spirit Juice Studios. They got an award actually for it. So if you Google search or search on YouTube, Father Chuck Chaplin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it'll pull up a really interesting video of my role with the team, but also vocations and my own personal life and how the Lord has been able to use a lot of these things to do something extraordinary. One more time, how does somebody call you or email you? Yeah, so the best way to get in touch is the dospvocations.org. So the Office of Vocations website, dospvocations.org. Also, Instagram is really good at fr.chuck or the Dawson website and the vocations link is an easy way to get in touch with me. So if you are a young man or a woman and you're just wondering maybe about serving the Lord as a priest or as a religious sister, reach out to Father Chuck. Please do. Or if you're wondering how you might be able to do more to support vocations within your parish or your community, please reach out as well or go to the website and find ideas. All right. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. Thanks, Father Chuck. This is how we see it. Thanks for listening to today's program. This presentation and others like it are made possible by supporters like you. If you'd like a copy of today's program, make comments or suggestions, and to help us keep this important programming on the air, visit myspiritfm.com slash how we see it.